0: You know what shirt I wore yesterday? Uh, what shirt did you wear? Free Ethan. You know what? I wanted to guess that, but it, I, I figured you're going to seem like such a narcissist if you're wrong. <laughs> if that wasn't the shirt, it's like, oh, man, you're just thinking about yourself all the time. What is this seems like a narcissist? In this business, man, it's, you're either a self-aware narcissist who understands your flaw and you're trying to account for it and adjust, or you're an unaware narcissist. Those are the only two options in this business.
1: Yeah, if you have a Twitter account, aren't you just by definition feeling like people need to hear what you have to say?
0: I think so. It's very arrogant, that's for sure. But yeah, I'm not going to participate in this
2: self-flagellation. Like, no, I'm not a narcissist. <laughs> but it's
0: not self-flagellation. It's trying to endear myself to people by admitting my flaw so I can continue to be the horrible person I want to be. It's more of a trick. It's a manipulation more than a flagellation.
1: This shirt I wore, Ethan, was because at ESPN, as part of your separation agreement, you had to just sit silently in your corner and not write,
0: not work, quote unquote, for like a year plus, wasn't it, your agreement? I had to shut up and dribble were the exact terms in the agreement (laughs) that I signed. Yeah, it was strange. It was cool. I mean, everybody would like to get paid to do nothing, even if there's that fear of, Oh, my God. How did I get back in the game? What do I do? Yeah, back in the game. <laughs> back in the game, man. But I wore the free Ethan shirt once during that period. Just once. I went to Berkeley Bowl, the grocery store, the great grocery store. and it's A food court? No, it's a, it's a grocery store. They got two of them, though. There's West Berkeley Bowl where it's easier to park, and there's the original where it's impossible and you're guaranteed to have a bumper car's accident.
1: But that's cooler. The original is way cooler, right? Like if you're going to the West one where it's easier to park, it's it's jump the shark. You can't go to that Berkeley Bowl.
0: Well, you're showing that you drive a car like a monster. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> geez, I, it's disgusting, frankly. But I went to the checkout register and the woman looks at me and I guess the drawing on the shirt looks enough like me where she asked me, is that, is that you on the shirt? I go, uh, yeah, yeah, that's me. And she goes, you're not free. (laughs) It's just like, well, no, it's this thing. It's this, like, I've got this contract thing and she just kind of looks at me and then sort of squints a bit. And that was the last time I wore the shirt. It was just too weird.
1: Yeah. I get that a lot. Who's Ethan?
0: And I'm
1: like, well, he's a friend of mine who- He had a moment. I do. (laughs) There was a moment where (laughs)
0: Ethan was front and the center of the zeitgeist and then- He had a spark when he started. I was recognized more frequently out in the world when I was doing those TV hits for Sports Center. And sometimes I'd walk around and somebody was like, ah, da, 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 da. But man, you guys are are very blessed in your talents because I think the both of you is- are excellent on television. And if you're not comfortable on there, you at least seem comfortable. I just don't think it ever worked for me, man. I just don't think it was meant to be. I don't know. I'm of
2: the belief, much like players, that if you put people in a good situation, they can be good. And if you give them nothing, you get nothing. The TV you did was, and we're live with Ethan Strauss in Oracle Arena. Uh, tell us, like, what's the mood after a shoot-around? Like, uh, they're going to win this one again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> they're really focused on trying to get their defense uh, better. <laughs> and,
2: Ethan, that's why I was telling you, you should go Radio Ethan for those Sports Center hits. You needed to unleash that. I think that would have been... A trajectory for you to be bigger on the TV medium.
0: It would have been a very interesting Andy Kaufman esque thing. I don't yes. know how the anchors would have handled it if I started insulting them. I mean, but it's an act and it's a character and nobody was briefed on it. Who knows what would have happened? Welcome to the Hammer Show. I'm Tom Hammerstro. That's me, Al Hassett. Welcome
1: to the Hammer Show. I'm Tom Hammerstro. <laughs> Welcome to the Haber Show. I'm Tom Haverstro. That's Amin Al Hassan. All right, we're joined now by our senior Golden State Warriors beat writer, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, who's covered the team for years. Ethan, you've been around the team for a long time. Stephen Curry is coming off an extension, a long-term extension with the Golden State Warriors. Klay Thompson appears to be coming back on the comeback trail. The Warriors just drafted two teenagers. After being around the team at some practice facility events this past week, how would you describe the atmosphere for the Golden State Warriors? I would describe it as
0: rage-filled, on my part at least. I was told that I was going to be on Scott Van Pelt's Our Sports Center. Instead, I have you, a no-name, asking me questions that are completely obvious. What's the mood? It's terrible. This is supposed to be a championship dynasty. Joe Lacobo. Promised everybody this. He said they would rain forever. Are they raining forever or are they raining never again? Because Clay Thompson got fat and happy and injured and Steph Curry is all about the money. Did he do the Tim Duncan of giving up some of his contract to keep things going? No, he is not Timmy. He doesn't want it that bad. He wants the cash. Okay, folks, that's what he's all about. The Warriors, they sold out. They're Silicon Valley dweebs. They're not champions any longer. Wow, that seems pretty harsh there, Radio Ethan.
2: Radio Ethan, basically, Draymond and Kevin Durant both blame Bob Myers and Steve Kerr for... Mismanaging the the Situation after the blow up In LA between the two of them uh, What was your take on
0: that? My take on it is a lot like my take With my son, if he were to poop on the floor It wouldn't be my fault That I didn't do a good enough job cleaning up how about you don't poop on the floor, Draymond? How about you not poop on the floor, KD? How about that? Take some responsibility. Take some ownership. Look in the goddamn mirror for once. That's my solution. Stop talking about Bob Byers who, by the way, fantastic hair, some of the best hair in the business. That's the guy you want front and center representing your team. Tell you who you don't want, Draymond Green and his media tour.
1: Radio Ethan, I noticed that Draymond Green was retweeting his critics after the Olympics team, the Team USA, won gold, and he went on a tweet storm just responding to critics. Your thoughts on Draymond Green at this stage of his career, getting into it with the naysayers on social media? Well, I have
0: to say it was one of the most impressive athletic feats i had ever seen from Draymond Green to somehow be tweeting his critics while holding on to Kevin Durant's coattails. KD won them that Olympic gold, folks. Everybody knows it. You know it. I know it. And Draymond knows it. But is he tweeting big thanks to Kevin Durant for bringing home gold? No. Instead, he's throwing himself a little pity party and trying to wallow in the sorrow of his haters, who, by the way, should hate him. Alright, the Warriors are Projected
1: to be six. No, in come on. NBA no, come on. You finals. said that was the last
0: one. This is my hell. No.
2: <laughs> Please save me. This could have been your salvation, Ethan, if you just embraced it.
1: And now we're going to head over to Cleveland Browns camp for a look at their training camp. Thank you, Ethan, for
0: joining us. Oh, my God. You're right, though. I mean, it's hard to be good in that form of television. It, almost never is there a circumstance where somebody goes, Man, you really crushed that Sports Center hit. You're really going places. You're the next Johnny Carson over here.
2: Ultimately, the standard is what are you covering, right? Like, what team are you covering? Or if you, if you get to be a national reporter, like, who you know, obviously, then that changes things. But like, if you think of, um, the difference between, and I'm not knocking either of these people. I'm just saying, like, the difference between say, uh Dave McMenamin and a Michael C. Wright, right? Like, Dave McMenamin was covering LeBron in Cleveland. So, of course, he's going to be doing sports in the hits. Who else are you going to ask, right? But it's not because Dave McMenamin was, like, far and away one of the best at TV. Now, you might say Dave McMenamin is a great writer, and that's why he was assigned the Cleveland job.
1: Right, hearing that, yep.
2: Right, that makes sense to me. But the television choice of who's on SportsCenter really comes down to the relevance of the thing that you're covering. You could be the best, like, beat reporter we have, but if you're covering something that nobody cares about, like, I don't know who's who's covering the Orlando beat right now, if anybody, but that guy's not making it on TV, you know?
0: It's an oddly visual medium, too. A lot of what they want are just the... What's the word I'm looking for? It's not the semiotics, but just the whatever the visual is of a guy in a suit. The optics. Yes, the optics of a guy in a suit at the thing that shows that we are ESPN. We do sports news. We've got a budget. We've got these guys on camera. It's not really about what you're saying. Nobody listens. I mean, maybe this person exists, but people don't listen to SportsCenter on a podcast, right? It's not. It's not so much about what you're saying. Now, that doesn't mean – if you say something crazy, it's going to come back to hurt you. But it's – a lot of it is just for people in the airport looking up and saying, OK, sports is on the scene. They're part of the sports world. It just doesn't matter what you're saying.
1: But like getting an update about what the Warriors are doing, you're not checking into sports Center TV to like find that. We all can just get it on Twitter or go to Facebook and get that news. Like the idea that like the TV medium is now where – it used to be that you had to watch the bottom line ticker to get your breaking news. You had to turn on the TV because there wasn't a paper. There wasn't the internet that you could get that news any other way. So when you do these like sports center, let's pop into the Warriors practice. Let's go visit in Cleveland. Da, da, da I don't know what audience that's serving because they all have the information
0: at their fingertips. It's old people. They should find a way to uh, cater to them. And say we have the stuff for the young people online. And then you'll be talking gently like Mr. Rogers does to young people.
2: Well, it's not just that. It's also like, Ethan, you said it and I don't think you even realized it. ESPN and SportsCenter is the programming du jour every day in every airport all across the country. Like you walk past those restaurants. ESPN, the value of a good ESPN show is can you watch this on mute? That's the ultimate value. It's not that I'm learning anything. It's that I can have this on mute or on the background or whatever, and it is going to be entertaining enough. One of the funniest things that happened, remember they had that documentary on HBO about the college uh, scandal Yeah. Players getting paid or whatever. The scheme. The scheme. There you go.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I remember. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. And there's a
2: scene where like I'm I'm on the screen in the background.
1: I remember. Amin's in the middle of this documentary. It's my favorite part.
2: (laughs) While they're making this clandestine deal to get like DeAndre Ayton or somebody paid to go to Arizona. And like I'm on mute. Then that's like that's it. That's what, that's ESPN right there. That's it's something you have on mute.
0: <laughs> You're part of life's screensaver. I mean, I've been in the gym. When I go to the gym, and they've got those TVs. Yeah, the gym. I'll see a friend of mine or or mm-hmm. colleague, and I'll go, Ah, look at that right there. Okay, bars, gyms,
2: airports, like all of these things I just like think about the number of places you see ESPN on, and you see people that you know. When you start to think of it in those terms, you begin to realize. People who appear to be animated better for business. Oh yeah, than the cool reserve person. PTI, which is a great show, and both of those guys are obviously legends. But part of what makes PTI so good is it is visually entertaining. On mute, seeing Tony kind of like uh, going histrionic, seeing Will Bond give like these eye rolls and stuff to things that Tony's saying. Seeing the background with the faces they put on the the gear and the garb the mailbox it's all visual cues so that i don't even need to hear what they're saying i'm entertained
0: well pti is one of the most influential shows in television history i say that and people go like no it's crazy it's crazy that's not true it's like no hey you know that ticker that you see on the uh, side of like every single news show and uh, cnbc show and everything else that came from one show that came from pti that way of doing it of we're going to talk about this and it's coming up so stick around. That was an advent that was brilliant production and it's always been a brilliantly produced show. Everything that makes it feel fun and light and fast somebody put a lot of thought into that.
1: The bell, the clock oh yeah like everything about it is just it's it's dopamine. It's really like it really connects straight to your central nervous system and like this is this feels awesome to watch.
0: It would be funny if we did this whole podcast and we're just talking about ESPN studio shows and we just never mentioned the jump with what happened. And it's just this big elephant in the room in this whole conversation.
1: Ethan, I was getting there. I was getting there with the shirt. The shirt. I didn't know we were going there. I didn't know. I was going with the shirt of, hey, Ethan, did you give Rachel any advice yet?
0: (laughs) Maybe I should have reached out. I, I have this assumption when something like that happens that they're just inundated and I don't know all the circumstances and Rachel's always been good to me, but I don't think I'm among her closest friends. Right. So maybe I should have, I don't know. It's awkward as I do want to write about it. So then there's that weird part of it. And so I want to write about it. I I know Rachel and I like Rachel, but I don't just want to be a lackey for, for team Rachel, even if I think that what happened to her was in many ways unfair. Uh, So yeah, that's why Tom, I felt awkward even though best practices are that you reach out. now I'm just saying things in front of people that probably should be stuff that are it's in my head. I don't know. I like this this stage of
2: Ethan's life where he fully leads in on to whatever behavioral issue he has it just starts blurting things out
0: <laughs> well there's no hr department anymore in my life
2: full disclosure how does substack work i don't know i thought it was like medium where people were just signing up and posting stuff and te- apparently no yeah i don't know so explain substack to to people like me
1: let's back up here for a second <laughs>
2: So
0: Ladies and gentlemen, fans of the House of Strauss, I've got some business for you. I've got something very serious to inform you about.
1: Ethan, since the last time you were on the show, you said you had something in the works. You didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And here it is. You are now at Substack. You have your own newsletter, website, whatever you want to call it, a Substack, at Substack, called
0: House of Strauss. And this went live like two days ago. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been a rush and a thrill. Substack is a newsletter. Uh, You can visit it like a website, but it will also be emailed to you. And the idea is that you subscribe and you pay the creator um, that you like and you support, and they can basically say anything because there's no... At least for them, there's no HR department. Maybe Substack could theoretically uh kick you out if they they've been pretty good on that. They've they've offered a wide latitude to people to say whatever. But if they did that, you would still have the base of all your uh email subscriptions and you could rise again in some other format. So if you do well and if you start connecting, it just gives you a tremendous amount of independence. And it's um it's odd because you have to start really thinking about that and thinking well, I don't want to go crazy and just start saying wild stuff that, uh, hurts my credibility in certain ways because I feel so free. But at the same time, I now have a lot more space to explore because there's no, there's again, there's no HR department. You're not stepping on some other writer at your institution's toes. Uh, you're not screwing anything up for anybody. Um, and I'm certainly not worried. I'll talk about CAA. I'll talk about the agencies. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, so there's a lot of independence and I'm just trying to figure out how to really explore that space. Did you
1: answer a means question?
0: Oh, about
1: what is Substack?
0: I said, it's a newsletter and a website. And that's what I said. Is that not sufficient?
2: No, that's what you're doing. What is Substack?
0: Substack, I'm starting to realize that I might not be smart enough to really understand what it is. I just know that I have <laughs> an independent website and I have a, a newsletter and I like it. Um, I think it's a place where people can have that and it facilitates people having a newsletter. It's a place that facilitates people having a paid for newsletter. Can anyone just get up
2: like, I'm going to start a Substack today? Yes. Anyone can. I got the vibe that it was kind of like there was a recruitment going on there. There is.
0: There's both. So. Anybody can start a Substack, but also they like bringing on uh, journalists and offering them uh, a salary, an amount of money to do a Substack Pro deal where you get uh, a year of salary and you get your subscribers up and then they take the training wheels off the bike and you're pretty much free to go, but you kick them a little bit of money too. That's the kind of... uh, two-tier system of substack.
2: Who is the most successful substacker?
0: I don't know, but I think Andrew Sullivan uh, is up there. He announced that he has 100,000 subscribers. um, And Matt Iglesias has already been, uh, has also been very successful. Iglesias took a pro deal that I think paid him $250,000 and he took it. And then it turned out that he had way, way undersold himself. And that if he hadn't taken that deal, He would be making millions of dollars off his uh, subscribers, which I guess when his pro deal ends, he will. But one of the advantages that Sullivan and Iglesias had, whatever you think about them, because they're centristy pundits who I'm sure have uh, offended some people and other people like them. But the thing that they had is that they had been blogging since the early 2000s, where there was an uh, incredible first mover advantage to be one of the first guys in that scene. So they just had this war chest of all of these emails um, to which they could blast out a message of "Hey, I'm on Substack. Uh, subscribe to me," and that just gave them an incredible head start. And what I'm learning is that those emails are gold. You know, like save the emails that you have. It's just an incredible. Um, bridge to be able to do whatever you want to do next. So I think that's one of the lessons of Substack so far.
1: You took the opportunity to write about basically sports business. You wrote about Nike. You wrote about lots of NBA ratings and why the NBA ratings uh, are still a very big story Um, compared to Major League Baseball and NFL. The NBA's ratings, as you cite, have fallen 45% or so over the last... Eight or so years, decade, whereas Major League Baseball and their network ratings um, and the NFL are fairly flat. Um, So you've basically come out swinging, hitting topics that are controversial. And I got to say, reading your stories, and I think this is probably why Radio Ethan is so therapeutic to listen to, (laughs) is that it's very rare to read this, read Mm -hmm. this stuff. And I guess kudos to you that you've found a gap in the market of journalists or reporters who have been inside have been also outside um and have a perspective that they're willing to speak up on some of the sports media issues or the sports business issues that um everyone else is conditioned to silence because it is not uh good for your career to speak out um against some of these larger stories maria taylor and rachel nichols i at at Levitard Show, I mean, I I'm pretty sure. I mean, that your and Jamel Hill's video segment on YouTube at Levitard Show is if not the biggest um trafficked content piece that Levitard Show has done. But it's right up there, right? Like people love this stuff. They love reading about sports media content.
2: Ah, do they? That's that's the thing I've never I've never really uh Pinpointed whether people actually love it or do we love talking about ourselves, and so we convince ourselves that there's there's a, a marketplace for this. Um, I think obviously because it's, other thing is it goes back to something that Ethan talked about a long time ago, which is what is viral in the internet sense not isn't necessarily news for the rest of the world, and the rest of the world is much bigger than Twitter, right? Everyone I know who isn't on Twitter who asked me, said, hey, I heard Rachel got, what happened to Rachel? This is when the thing first broke back in July. The, when I explained to them, they're like, oh, right? Like the the signature conversation I bring up is with my cousin, who's absolutely not a social media guy. He said, what happened to Rachel? I heard like some shit and she said some da-da-da. And I said, yeah, yeah. I was like, you can look it up. I don't feel like, at that point, I'd explained it a hundred times. See, I tried, but all I could find was her statement. So what do you mean her statement? So, yeah, she had a statement. And I said, what's the statement say? And he starts reading these quote-unquote smoking gun things she said on camera. To regular people, it was so mundane that they actually thought what she said on camera or that was recorded was actually her apology because she says, Maria deserves everything
0: going on her and all that stuff. You know what this uh, dovetails with is uh, is my theory, is that if you don't apologize, nobody ever reads the statement of you saying you did anything wrong.
2: Right. It's just one of those things where, so it's funny, obviously the news that the jump got canceled and Rachel's not doing NBA anymore. It kind of revitalized the same small segment of very motivated people. Oh, you guys were tap dancing, but what happened now? I'm like... Bro, first of all, none of this is a a surprise. Second of all, it doesn't mean that she was wrong. Like, again, the funniest thing in this whole thing is that people hold ESPN to be above reproach. Mm. ESPN would never fuck this up. It's
0: almost by design.
2: Right? So it's like Rachel being taken off NBA coverage and the jump being canceled isn't proof that ESPN is inept. It's proof that Rachel was wrong. Now everyone else has to suffer. Really? Like... First of all, everyone who was responsible for making that show, what it was, which was critically acclaimed, a good ratings getter, respected by the industry, respected by the commissioner, the uh, players, the coaches, the, the the front office execs, everybody watched that show, loved that show, right? And it got good ratings, right? Everyone responsible for that, by the end, was gone. It was Rachel and two more producers, and that was it. I said one in my tweet. It was the second guy. I forgot. There to build it was gone. We had already left. Was it me, Danny Corrales, Kevin Wilds, Amina Hussein, Tracy McGrady? We're all gone. Like all was left was Rachel and and a rotating cast of people that were not there in the beginning and not there for the for the rise. They were they were there to ride what was already built.
0: It was a fun show to be on in the beginning. I love the point you're making because I don't think the jump near the end was as good as the jump at the beginning. Um, and maybe I'm biased because I was partial to the show where my friends were on panels and they were having conversations and it was a lot of fun, but that's how I see it. And yeah, it means, right. It's not really remembered. People are thinking about the jump now as what it was. And really it's the decimated jump that they're talking about the cleaned out jump. So the question that people would naturally ask, and I hate that I'm asking you here, because I would like to write it in a, in a post, <laughs> so I'll just have to repeat what you say. Why did that happen? Why did it get cleaned out? The
2: show didn't match the aesthetic of what Bristol wants. You saw in the story. I think John Oran of the Sports Business Journal said, "In its place, they hope to like come up with a new NBA show modeled more closely to NFL life." That's what Bristol likes. We're important and wearing suits and. You know, The Jump was a show that wasn't afraid to be goofy, wasn't afraid to have fun, not pre-scheduled fun. Like, at 12, 13, we'll, we'll be having fun, beep, boop, beep, boop, like, like NFL Live and other signature ESPN shows. It was a show that wasn't afraid to be goofy and funny and also deep and also spend a, a 20 minutes talking to one person uh, about a topic, you know, or when Mark Cuban came on or whatever. like. We were a show that did things that weren't were that were atypical for what Bristol considers TV program. It's not unlike, by the way, what happened to Sports Nation when Michelle Beadle left, right? And what happened was they tried to reimagine it. The, the only difference between Sports Nation and the Jump is that they they kept the name Sports Nation, and the Jump they're changing the name.
0: That's this other weird aspect of the ESPN experience where. They promote you. They peer to principle the shit out of you. They promote you to a place that you're not going to help, and then instead of moving you back to the place where you were helping, they fire you. Where you mentioned Jamel Hill, I remember. I remember uh, Jamel Hill um, and and Michael Smith. They've got this great show, his and hers. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've got chemistry. It's a lot of fun. It's on earlier in the day, but you know what? It crushes earlier in the day. And so, what does ESPN do? They go, hey. Can you guys save sport center? Can you totally reimagine Sports center? Can you just reinvent the wheel for us? And it doesn't happen and they might have their own version of why it doesn't happen or why it didn't work.
2: No, it doesn't work because they're not sincere. They're just like, "Hey, save my th- it's it's like you you're driving um you 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 are you living in a house, right?" And uh, there's a rat problem in the house and there's a leaky roof and uh, you know, the carpet is moldy, right? Oh, can you, can you fix my house? Save my house, please. All right, cool. We well, got this trash here. It's attracting all the rats. We got to. Oh no, no, no. I have to go through all that stuff. That's my, that's my very special important thing. Okay. Well the roof is leaking here. So I want to move this furniture over this way. And that way we can start to work on it, but you don't have to move out. Well, no, 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 wait, hold on. But, like, my grandmother had it like this, and I'm like, well, motherfucker, you don't want me to fix your show. And for them, they were tasked to save a show that was, you know, is going to die one day, and anything that they tried from the very beginning. It's not even they tried to do it and they said no. It's like they didn't even let them try. Like, oh, no, you're just here to do the show that we've always done. But we think by putting your faces there, that's going to save it.
0: Yeah. And regardless of the why, I just think that that is the standard pattern that they say you did great. Let's invite you up here. And it's so funny to me. Why can they never just bring you back? Why can they never just take you back to the place where you were helping? Okay, Beatle, let's get you back in Sports Nation, make Sports Nation go. Okay, Jamel, you know, Michael Smith. I mean, obviously there were aspects of what happened with that whole deal, but they can't just do his and hers again. They always fire you for not living up to expectations.
1: Well, because I think what that message sends to the public is that it was Michael and Jamel's fault. Mm. Because if they put him back on the previous show and say, oh, go back to what was like super successful, then that means that it was a management or a a producer, an executive Mistake, which is we we put you in a place that didn't work. Let's go back to what made you successful. Now they can pin it on the talent rather than the actual decisions made in 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 the boardrooms or the the offices.
2: There's probably also a a, a part of this where it's cost structure, right? Where it's like Mike and Jamel were paid something to do his and hers. Mm. They're paid something completely different to Sports Center. You bring them back on his and hers, but you're still paying them. Yeah. So now the show that we have there to replace his and hers that cost us a lot less is now escalating in price. Because whoever you got to do the 6 p.m. Sports Center, they're going to get a pay raise too, anyway. Whereas you can kind of. The whole idea when they tell you to do what you did, Ethan, is that they're trying to bleed you out to where you're like, you know what? I don't want to be out of the game. Buy out. I'll give back money in order to get out of my contract sooner in order to go do the thing I want to do, which (laughs) that's what they want to do. Let me just say that's what they want to do. And that's what they successfully do to almost every single talent they part ways with. Either they get them to give money back in a buyout or they get them to do what Ethan did, just sit out in anonymity until your deal is done. Almost every single instance, Almost every single instance of that, they get either a discount or they get you to sit out. It is very, 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 very rare, but not unprecedented for someone to get all their money and to get out early and be able to work immediately.
1: Very rare, but not unprecedented. (laughs) What's interesting, and to to piggyback on what Ethan was saying about, I've been on the show and it's hard to write about someone that uh, you like and that you've actually had a working relationship with and, and Rachel, I think back on my time on the jump and it's so contra what my experience was, what I see on Twitter is so different than what I see in re- reality, which is I'm a white dude, right? What? Going on the jump, I was the only white really? dude in that <laughs> <laughs> Really? But, I, but, but at the live show, the Durack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was the only white dude in that studio. Yeah. And the idea that this, that Rachel Nichols is now, there's a meme, or I don't even know if you call it a meme, but there is something, some post that went viral, over 10,000 likes or 3,000 retweets, a picture of Rachel Nichols being interviewed by Tucker Carlson, because she's now going to make the turn to Tucker Carlson's Fox News show. Like the idea that Rachel is now going to just turn into, uh, you know, Outkick or whatever it is, this conservative pundit now, it's so different than what my experience was with Rachel. Tom,
2: the people responsible for the creation of said meme or whatever, and then the propagation are people who don't watch the show. They don't know anything.
0: No, they don't care. They're just trying to throw whatever stigma they can throw at the situation. That's what it is.
2: They're here because, oh, that's what we're doing this week. Oh, I can't believe this racist white lady. And now she got all these people fired. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? None of them know anything. These are people who are wholly and proudly ignorant of the situation. But they think of because of a couple of tweets they read that are summarizing a story that is kind of not, I won't say not the best reported.
0: Are they trying to kind of project the future? Um, And they're trying to sort of imagine what's going to happen because she has been uh, cast out um, in this, in this way, theoretically that it has to do with this particular orthodoxy and that will quote unquote uh, red pill her. And that's why we will see her. I mean, maybe that's what they're saying. And then there's an interesting question of, I don't think she would ever do that, but would that theoretically be her best move monetarily to completely go that direction? Would it? I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud.
2: I, I don't think. Well, I think. Hold up. I'm no. about to call
0: Rachel. Just Rachel. Rachel. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean,
2: I, I think to me it's like that would be the case if she were a true pariah. But she's not. Mm. And that's what people know. She's a pariah to 3,000 people on Twitter. Mm. I'm sorry. You fucking don't matter. Mm. None of these people matter. None of these people matter.
0: It's interesting, though. I I mean, this is a totally different topic. It's an interesting thing. I'm thinking about it. You're saying that she wouldn't. Well, she wouldn't do that because she she still has juice. She can still get back in the industry. Absolutely. Or it's just just not what she believes or she wouldn't. No, it's not what she
2: believes. That's one. But two is she doesn't need to. She's not in a point of no return.
0: I'm on the record that I wouldn't do any show, uh, but I would go on pretty much any show it depends on like the subject material but different people have different feelings on it like my feeling is whoever asks me that's where i'm showing up i like that glenn greenwald will go on any show that he will go on democracy now he will go on fox news he will go on anything i like that but this is this one exists in a specific context where it's about you and how you've been wronged and that's, yeah, that gets a little bit, that gets a little bit dangerous as I think. I did
1: notice, you, Ethan, you just wrote about this, the silence of sports media and journalists and whether they're complicit on the divisive or the polarization of, of any issue or any topic, any current event uh, example where I'm sitting here and I'm like, I just saw the news yesterday that Rachel Nichols is being removed from air on all ESPN platforms and they canceled the jump. Because of her views on diversity at ESPN or that she was taped in her hotel room, a hot mic situation in Orlando.
2: Not a hot mic. Where she is not a hot mic. Stop saying it's a hot mic. Stop saying it's a hot mic. Because I see that people say
0: hot mic insinuates that you were on the air. Yeah.
2: Right. Like the number of people were saying like her fault for not knowing that her mic was hot. Like, no, no, they turned it on. They have the technology to turn it on remotely the only way around that is literally if you like power down your device and i don't know about you guys how many guys power down ipads
1: yeah it's yeah it's it it's a it's a really really complicated situation because uh as i've read as this at first and foremost it should be a privacy issue is like this is uh it wasn't like she Posted this on Twitter herself. It was an invasion of privacy, it seems like, where she's in a hotel room not knowing that this was on. And it recorded her comments about the situation. Um, but what I, where I was going with this is I didn't see one NBA player say, good riddance, Rachel, get out of here. Yeah, Dude, And they will.
2: Giannis Antetokounmpo posted like a comment under her Instagram post with the heart and the prayer hands and everything. Yeah, like you guys think that like all of these guys like again it's the same thing. It's like if the people it was I'll give you a great example, a much lower stakes example. People in Toronto because like three years ago when I picked the Raptors to do something and then they ended up getting swept. I got I was on Sports Nation, which is a funny show, and I was like, you know what, Toronto Canada doesn't even deserve sports teams anymore. I did, <laughs> I, I, I channeled a little Radio Ethan right. Fat, fat, spot the lie. <laughs> they take that clip and then years later repurpose it as if I said it like in the middle of their championship season, as if I said it th- in the middle of this season. Right. And as a result, there's like this contingent of people online and, and oh, call in the radio stations or whatever in Toronto or Toronto fans who think that I hate Toronto. And my thing is always like, I wish you could line up the entire organization, your president, your general manager, your vice president, your director of global scouting, your head coach, your assistant coaches, ask, ask them about me. Like, you hate me. You think I hate your organization, but your organization really has no problems with me. Mm. Like, they, people don't know shit. And they project they're not knowing shit, even as the thing that they love that you, they think you are opposed to also doesn't feel the same way they do right so they love Oh, the players power to the players 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 are great players are awesome they fight with her yeah the players fuck with rachel oh
0: well they're clearly wrong all right Well, well it's like the reality doesn't matter you're a character in their world that they're curating um for themselves online and in that moment you you represent the haters you're an avatar is what you are and then for some other people in this rachel situation she's an avatar of something else that they don't like and that's that's really what it is, and what you are at your core almost doesn't matter, and it's almost not even worth fighting it. I know that I represent bad things to certain people, and I don't think that that's me um and I think it's a caricature or it's not true, but you can't really argue with it, and people are entitled to their criticisms, but it does get it does get rather it does get rather crazy and completely unmoored from whatever the source of it is, and it's just something we have to grapple with
1: Ethan you wrote about it in your piece, it's like I thought yesterday i was like should i should i like tweet out something <laughs> to support rachel and say hey i worked with rachel for several years i owe a lot of my career to rachel saying hey this is really cool digital stuff let's bring it on to the job the big number, uh, we, let's have Tom on when we have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar going through, like, who are the best Lakers players of all time? Let's get Haverstrow in here.
0: And, like, thinking of... But then it's this feeling of you wouldn't even be helping her because people would go, they would just throw whatever at you because they They, they would use say, they, oh,
1: white male, look at this guy
0: coming in to support Rachel. You're a white guy, and Amin is a sellout, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: it doesn't matter, like, no matter who you bring up, Jenae was like, yeah, Rachel's cool. Ah, oh, she don't matter. Steven Jackson, who, like, has been... I didn't think anyone could question Steven Jackson in terms of racial equality or whatever over after the year he's had. But the moment he said, no, we rock with you, Rachel. Oh, you're just a da-da-da. Like, it doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. They don't. There's no, no part of them that that's going to be like, huh, if all these people I respect and listen to all the time are saying this shit, Maybe they know something that I don't fucking know.
0: That's something I want to mention in the article because we're going to be accused of being uh, Rachel Stans or whatever. But I do think that sh- her manner with people, she's legitimately well liked by the people she works with and the people. You know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm
2: gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm say this shit right here, and I know I shouldn't, but this shit pissed me off, right? Because I, I, you know, my thing is always. Um, you know what, if you're a random person on Twitter, fine, whatever. You, you have the right to be whatever type of dumbass you want to be, right? But, it, it, but if you're not, if you're like, A, if you're someone who works in our industry and you know better, you should know better. But B, if you're someone who knows people personally and you behave like this, you're the lowest lowest form of person. And I'm, I'm going to say it right now, and I'm not speaking for Rachel, I have not talked to Rachel. Let me do my Mike Greenberg. I, I, I'm not speaking to Rachel. I don't know anything about it. I'm just saying this. It's just my opinion. Casey Sager, the daughter of the late Craig Sager, mm. tweeted this shit. And I'm like, really? Someone who's been nice to you and looked out for you and all that stuff. You going to say this shit? Quote, she had a year to get out in front of the story to apologize or at least have a conversation with her colleagues who took issue with the recording she accidentally made available. And she didn't. What cost her her career at ESPN was what followed that one mistake. Okay, number one. She did apologize in private. She did attempt to have a conversation. She was rebuffed. And she didn't make it available. It wasn't a recording. She was recorded without her. So, all right, already three. And by the way, you as a random person on Twitter, you get to have that. As someone who has Rachel's number or or at least a DM line to her, I don't understand that. All right. She goes on to say, quote, not to say that there weren't any issues prior to that, quote, one mistake. Maybe that's why she didn't bother trying to chalk it out with her coworkers, Just saying that she should have known better than to think it would have all just go away if she ignored it. Relationships matter. Again, all of this is incorrect. All of what this woman just said is completely incorrect, right? But she's saying it and stating it as if it's fact, as if she knows. Yeah, no. Rachel didn't apologize. Rachel didn't try to do anything. How do you know? How do you know? Were you there? Do you know anybody? Did you talk to anybody?
1: And and it's not like Rachel's going to come out and fact check this or someone's right. going to come out and fact no. check this. There's no, no way that she can be, you know, fact checked on this. So it's going to stand out there as fact.
2: Yeah, go on. P.S. No one should for one moment let ESPN off the hook. Oh, wow. Now you can get to it like four or five tweets into it. No one should let ESPN off the hook for their handling of any of this or for the rest of their all-around general bullshit. Valid points were made about their hiring practices. And it's clear toxicity takes root. They're real damn, damn easy. That's the story to me. That's the main story.
0: well The part that I... Hold on, she goes oh, on. She goes on. There's more. Oh, wow. Okay. How
2: she has treated me matters to me, but it definitely doesn't and shouldn't matter to anyone but me. Relationships matter in this industry. If you've done damage with your words or actions and do nothing to repair, repercussions shouldn't come as a surprise. Really? That's the end of it.
0: The, I'm creeped out by the... That's the thing I zeroed in on, actually, was the how she has treated me matters to me, but it definitely doesn't and shouldn't matter to anyone but me. This, this thing right now of... It's like in the Soviet Union, uh, Pavlik, hero Pavlik, the little boy who turned his parents in to the authorities, and he was hailed as a hero uh, in Stalin's Stalin's Russia. I'm not saying that we live in those times, but it's got that creepy element of it of I'm betraying the people who are good to me and loyal to me to try to, I don't know.
2: To curry favor.
0: Yes, yes.
2: But instead of the curry favor with the... Politburo or with, like, the, the people who control the secret police, or whatever, to curry favor from people. Oh.
0: Yeah. Like yes. retweet for, for, for the dumbest shit nobody's gonna shoot you in the back of the head for not doing it and you're not getting any money like at least be a corrupt person who gets some money for it uh, no it's just it's just to get a little dopamine hit from people who don't care about you
2: it's not the right thing to do and it's not the most best thing in your self interest it is literally a
0: vapid form of you're betraying somebody who cares about you for the pleasure of people who don't that's what you're doing that's what ha- that's happening and look maybe we could afford to be more self critical right and i again you can you can say this criticism or that criticism but this thing she's doing right here there's no sympathy for Rachel there's no empathy there's no I think she transgressed in this particular way uh, but I also can understand that what she's going through can't be a lot of fun no it's just it's just currying favor with uh, scornful people on the internet that's it all these people
2: all of these people I, I the, particularly the ones who like come after me or other people have come out and spoken in Rachel's on Rachel's behalf and by the way you don't have to speak on her behalf you can just not say anything right if you feel like, yeah, she's been cool with me, but I don't know about, I don't know, you could just not say anything. I chose to say something because I feel like I know her character. I've seen her uh, her character at play. I've seen her do things for the sake of diversity. Again, no one talks about the people, as Tom said, behind the camera. who are almost all exclusively women or minorities. <laughs> the place where, like, the only white people on the show are Rachel and then... Tom, sometimes, Brian, sometimes, Ramona, sometimes.
0: I know I'm jumping and in interrupting this thing. I, I'm doing the same thing where you want to make sure that you're not appearing biased, but sometimes we lean too much on that. It's like people are saying, oh, you picked the Warriors to win the championship because you're biased. And I go, well, it's easier to hear a car alarm if you're next to it. It's easier to know what's up. You know, I can go to, I could have gone to Antarctica, right? And to the station people work at. At that moment, and they're doing science, and they don't even know what's going on with it. They'd have a totally unbiased take on the NBA that season. It doesn't mean it's going to be informed by anything.
2: Even I, the other day, you know, Jared Dudley's retiring is going to be a head, uh, an assistant coach on Dallas' and staff, and I said Jared Dudley's one of the smartest players I've ever been around, great communicator, uh, and respected by players. He's going to be a, gr- a head coach in this league really soon, and he's going to be—I think he's going to be a great head coach because he has all of the things that you want your coach to be. And some dude was like justifiably biased. And I'm like, would you rather someone who never met the dude like to make this declaration? I, I don't understand what people are searching for. <laughs> and it's not, and it's very different from like what you pointed out in your, in your first Substack article about the twisted benefits of CAA, for instance, of a CAA represented journalist reporting about a CAA represented team uh, trying to acquire a <laughs> CAA-represented player, right? It's amazing. But like, there's actual benefits going on in that yeah. behind-the-scenes transaction, right? Yeah. I say these nice things. This makes it easier for me to break other news. You guys look better. You guys get to acquire the player. Like, everyone benefits. In the case of me talking about Jared Dudley, what benefit do I have? Not a newsbreaker, right? So it's not like Jared's going to give me the scoops, right? I'm not on the payroll, not represented by his, I don't actually don't think his agent likes me very much, to be honest. I'm just saying this from like, I've been around this guy. I know this guy. It's the same shit I said about Nick Nurse. I was around Nick Nurse a decade ago when he was our G League affiliate coach. I knew Nick was going to be a good coach because I've seen him, I work with him. But it's like, if you're not, if you live in a world where literally, like, the moment you see a Ethan's oh, of course, and the more if that's your whole thing is oh, of course. Well, then you're never gonna learn anything because everything at some point has a level of connection or proximity.
0: And not to say that we we can't sometimes be biased to people we like. That happens. That's another component. But you got to look at it nuanced. And uh, yeah, I have no idea if his agent likes you or not. I mean, but I'm pretty confident that he could never admit he did if he did, and we'll just have that be a sneaky. You know, if you know, you know. Kind of thing. Wait, what? What? If he did like you, I don't think he would be comfortable admitting it. Oh I'm no, saying? I
2: don't. I don't think so. I think other agents that I know are very openly
0: fond. Yeah, okay, okay. I'll, 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 I'll put it in the chat. I'll put it in the chat. What I'm talking about. It'll be just, uh, just, just for us. Bossa Nova. Well,
2: okay, Bossa Nova. Just say you don't have to put it in the chat. It's a Bossa Nova. Go ahead, go.
0: This is what i was uh getting at
1: oh yeah
0: yeah 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 oh yeah yeah take his thieves as the warden in shawshank would say anyways
1: ethan so this is kind of going dovetailing into what you wrote about which is a lot of people on twitter who are friends with rachel i would include myself in that category we were largely have just sat on the sidelines of the story we haven't really said anything i mean excluding um, and that creates this vacuum in which the loudest voices are people who are not close to the situation and can opine from afar. And that is going to be the, the conversation of record. And it's almost the same thing you wrote about, is that so much now, Ethan of Twitter and social media is people have conditioned themselves to like, you know what, I'm not going to get in the middle of that story. I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. And it creates this dynamic of The people who are not close to the story or know what's happening are just muzzled and silenced and realizing it's not worth getting in the middle of this conversation. And it creates more divisiveness because it creates, like, because it is so polarizing, because of Rachel Nichols' story is so polarizing, I just feel like the cost of me jumping in here is just not worth the the benefit of, like, speaking up on this and saying, like, I really like my time with Rachel. I think she's an, a really good journalist. And the fact that no NBA player has like stomped on her grave and said, that's right. Take it, Rachel. Like, that's right. Is I think is, is, it should be noted that there isn't this like rallying cry of, thank God, Rachel Nichols, that, that turncoat, that someone who is a uh, qu- quietly racist person, like no one's saying that. Like amongst NBA players, like, wouldn't you expect that if Rachel Nichols was this this behind the scenes, just cutting uh, black people or African-Americans left and right because they don't feel that uh, she doesn't feel like they deserve their their positions or whatever, their money or, or, their, or their stature. You don't think that people would come out and be like, at this stage, be like, she had it coming. I for years, I've disliked Rachel Nichols and it's about time that she she faced the music on this.
0: Yeah. You sometimes get a good sense of where people are at by the silence. I mean, that's sometimes a clue. I felt that way in a few stories I've written that were controversial. Um, Kevin Durant, for instance, I think uh, he had had a reaction to my talking about his free agency. And obviously, I got a lot of backlash from fans and everything else. And the whole time during that era, I was thinking... Do you guys notice the complete absence of his teammates having any issue with what I'm saying? Like, do any of you notice that? Is there there any... Because these guys will pipe up when when they feel offended on behalf of their teammates. They'll do it.
2: That's the weird thing. It's like, you guys see these guys, like, look, Damian Lillard, because Henry said he's requested a trade. Damian Lillard did cartwheels and backflips to let everybody know I have not requested a trade, even as, like, everything about him is signaling that he's going to at some point. They're like, technically I still haven't done it. I haven't done it. Like he's done that. But you think like Chauncey Billups, he's like, oh, wow. I should probably keep my mouth shut, but I don't like this hire at all. I you you think that? that you guys really think that he, he he's, he's that nitpicky on this thing, but on this thing, he's just going to be silent.
0: But what Tom describes is really interesting. I think what people tell themselves is why they keep silent with the praise well, it's, it's what happened to me. number one. Nobody wants that. They don't want it to happen to them. They don't want the angry mob to come. And that's why them. I did it. And number two, they feel like I wouldn't even be helping. Like I would just be just another – Like They would then go about the bad things about me and then use that against her, and it's just not even worth it. It's just quicksand. And maybe that's wrong because maybe if enough people say good things, it changes the impression, but there is this sense of – uh, there's no way to help. And there's only a way to, to hurt. Anything is bad.
2: So that's why I did it. I did it because I knew other people who felt like me may not be brave enough or not brave enough, I you callous enough, I guess, to withstand the bullshit on the internet. Like, I don't give a shit. I, I, again, I've, I've said this many a time, I've demonstrated many a time, Twitter is bullshit to me. I just fuck around on there. But the second part, there ethan i did think about that i actually hit rachel i said is it okay if i say something because what i didn't want was i didn't want naturally occurring negative feelings towards me to then reflect on her in my effort to help lift her up and stick up for her would i actually be making her life more difficult by virtue of that i was the the
1: advocate.
0: Am I not the friend she needs right now? Am I the friend that she doesn't want? Right. You know she doesn't want to pipe up. You know it's like,
1: uh, <laughs> thanks but no thanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what it would be. It's like if, uh, like Louis C.K. had that thing happen to him, and then Harvey Weinstein goes, "Louis is one of the greatest people in the industry." <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So, so from that standpoint, not, I not did, that
0: you're I... not that you're that, but like everybody just like no, no, an exaggerated, exaggerated yeah. example.
2: Absolutely, and also I jerked off of a pot of plant once.
0: (laughs) But no one was a victim other than the gardener, but yeah.
2: Well, the the, the gardener actually mm, complimented me on the- okay, okay. All right, and so on the the luster and the- (laughs) the shine the leaves had like what have you been doing this thing is Jesus. amazing
1: shadow jacker you haven't come out of your masturbation cave in eon
2: it's high time i emerge from my cum cocoon but the point being is that i you know i know that i carry with me a stigma and i would hate that's the only part about carrying a stigma that gives me pause or makes me think twice is i don't want it to reflect on other people i want it to be mine and mine alone um and so but I feel like by me coming out and saying what I did, I demonstrated for some other people who came out and said what they did that it's okay to do that, that that you know you don't have, we don't all have to stay silent and sit on our hands or whatever, and that's the reality you know and, and I, again like I said it before, and I said it now like this has nothing to do with Maria Taylor like I think Maria's great and Maria's qualified and Maria like you can be both like qualified to do the job and great for the job and also a in a company that is run poorly, be the result of poor process, right? It's,
0: it's a viper pit. I, and I don't know why it is, but I talked to enough people in that world, uh, the TV, the top of TV at ESPN. It is vicious. And just people are knifing each other one after the other, supplanting each other. It is crazy. And that's a whole other conversation. I think if we look specifically at Countdown, Countdown's been a fucking mess for over a decade. I mean, something is clearly dysfunctional in the company, and we can say it's this person, it's that person. You know, one year the problem of Countdown is Magic Johnson, the other year the problem is is Bill Simmons, and then the other year it's this guy, and the other year it's that guy. But at a certain point, this is like the New York Knicks. It's not it's not the players themselves who are the problem. Something something is happening here. They've never gotten this thing, they've never gotten this thing to work. It's always been a shit show. And it, it, it's just such a generator of drama. And maybe that's the broader question in this whole thing. I know, I know, I know I'm switching to the countdown, but it's like, it's, dove, it's part of that whole thing. It's the same
2: yeah. company. It's the same company. It's the reason why all of these things. And it's the reason why what's the, the most popular show up until recently was PTI. Why was it? Why was it the best show that ESPN made?
1: Cause it wasn't made in
2: Bristol. Exactly. Yeah. Well, not only made in Bristol, not made by ESPN ride home productions. So Eric Rideholm does it out of D.C., right? And it was its own ecosystem. They don't have to deal with any interference. And boom, they did it. And it influenced the rest of ESPN's afternoon lineup, basically. Every other show turned into how can we be like PTI without being like PTI, right? And so even a show like um, First Take ultimately is like a blue-collar PTI, right? Let's get these pens out of here. Here, I have a club, I have a club, mm-hmm. club each other over that. Right. But, you know, it's also the easiest as far as I don't have to do anything. Just throw out a topic and these people will argue. But anything that requires more nuance because it is a generalist show, right? At the end of the day, Stephen A. Smith can say whatever he wants about football, about the Cowboys, whatever. And then whatever he wants about baseball, about Shohei Otani, whatever, whatever he wants because the, the implication is he's not an expert on any of these things other than probably basketball, right? Everything else he's doing is a generalist point of view. And so we're moving on. But when you talk about a studio show covering the NBA, okay, now that shit doesn't work anymore. Now you actually need some level of nuance and, you know, and delicate or a way to discuss things, or at the very least, you need some chemistry. And that's the other thing that ESPN doesn't believe in. They don't believe in chemistry. They don't. They think everybody is imminently replaceable.
0: Skip and Stephen A. had chemistry. Whatever you think about Skip Bayless, whatever you think about Stephen A., by the way, part of the reason they both had chemistry is that they're masters of the change of pace. They're a pitcher who will throw you the fastball, and I'm talking tonally, right? You think of a rapper you like. They, a lot of times, are really good at this. Ludacris is just one example of... It's a a
1: pick-and-roll action where it's like they just know how to dance together, right?
0: But I'm talking about individually now.
1: How they talk. He's talking about, you know, you know
0: uh, uh, uh,
1: Ethan
2: Strauss. You mean <laughs> to tell me that the Golden State Warriors that's all the recourse? But the la, 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 Like it's that up in that, with the Skip Bayless is the, well, I thought that the Warriors were the best run organization ever in the history of mankind. Not just sports, everything. But then I heard that conversation. That changed It's that. It's the staccato. It's the –
0: Yes, it's all of those elements. And if you can go fast and then you pull it back and now you go slow, it's a demonstration to the audience of extreme confidence. You are not nervous. You are so in control that you know that the audience is with you when you are projecting as loudly and as quickly as you can and you know they're with you when it's settle down, story time, lean in. They both had that. They (laughs) played off each other. They stood up to each other. And it was incredible chemistry. And you know what? Frankly, uh, a little bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. Old school first take. It was uh, some entertaining television. But now, but now, feels like ESPN's really got nothing, nothing really for him. I mean, other than the old PTI.
2: This is how you know. And uh, this is not a a criticism of Stephen A., but. When your answer is just to put Stephen A. on every product, it tells you you have absolutely no idea what you're doing. You found the one thing that your brain understands this works, and now your mission is just put it everywhere so it can keep working.
1: I mean, what, what happens, because th- for those who don't know, the jump is taped in L.A. at, yes. at the Staples Center, L.A. LA Live uh, concourse there. What's left of that outpost there like that was supposed to be the 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 nba's epicenter was gonna be that la live with the lakers with the clippers with the espn's studio gonna taping nba countdown and the jump and now if they're killing the jump i know that they're saying they're gonna replace it with a new show that's going to be quote more like nfl live but it, doesn't it seem like to you that they're just going to downsize that outpost in L.A. and just, I guess, do things out of Bristol and New York now? Like, what's left?
2: Because remember, at one point, we were doing Sports Center coast-to-coast coast in there. We were doing The Jump. We're doing Sports Nation, We're doing uh, Nacion. We're doing Ahora Nunca. Uh, um, we were doing—what uh, else we were we doing there? Oh, and the Late Night Sports center. And I believe— of all of those shows, one exists, the late night sports show. I don't even know if now or later, is any of that stuff, I don't know it's still around. All those shows got canceled. And by the way, many of them were great performing shows. So, like at some point, now mind you, they, on the dot com side, decided, hey, we're going to move our editors and everything out to LA. Because a certain someone Decided they didn't want to live in, in Bristol. They wanted to live in LA, someone with, with some, some modicum of control and power. Right. So you did all that, and now everything is shut down. At some point, the lease doesn't even pay for itself. Right. To have anything there, does it for to do Sports Center? Like at, at that point, to do one show a day at 11 p.m. local, 1 a.m. Eastern. or or, excuse me 2 a.m eastern i I don't i don't know
1: yeah yeah
2: what's the point anymore
1: it does seem to me that that la like hollywood
2: jalen jacoby was also in la too that's seven shows we had gone
1: and ethan i guess to to go back to what you've written about is um okay so the nba coverage is now what like to go more nfl live i guess that suggests that it's going to be more bristol based or or uh news breaking based or or have people who are based in Bristol or, or New York. I don't know. I don't watch NFL live enough to know. Um, but what is, what is like the show that ESPN should do Ethan as, as now the purveyor of uh, sports business and sports media content, like what would you, if you were Ethan Strauss, NBA TV show producer, like what is going to be the most successful in whatever measure, maybe ratings,
0: NBA content, like what would the TV show look like? I can just tell you what I would want to see because it's very hard to predict what will resonate. But I think about Rachel, and I think about one of her skills is she's an excellent interviewer, and yet so much of the jump is facilitating, playing point guard, being on the panel. Remember that guy Firestone? Was it what was his first name? Was it Roy Firestone? Yeah, Roy Firestone of that era. Whatever happened to that guy? Number one, where it seems like he vanished in the thin air. Maybe that's the story. Um, but whatever happened to the long form, big, sometimes emotional interview, and I don't know if you can do that sort of show every day. I think ESPN likes to have other daily shows, but I would like a show where there is a hyped interview. It's going to be over an hour. Maybe there's an audience there. Maybe there isn't. You get somebody who's excellent at that. It's very old school, which is why I like it because it would be almost going against the grain of what everybody else was doing. And if you get enough out of the interview, then it can really drive the conversation. And it can really be what everybody else is talking about. If it's uh, done well and you get the right guess. So that's, at least that's one idea in my head of something they should do.
1: Should it be just analytics and X's and O's? Because I think there's a, there's a group of NBA Twitter that says it doesn't seriously cover the NBA as it should.
0: Are we talking about countdown or are we talking about the jump?
1: all of it how should espn approach covering the nba on its tv programs because i don't think that an x's and o's show unless there is someone who's magical with x's and o's i don't think that that show drives eyeballs i think the audience wants john wall posted a uh, uh liked a photo of the lakers and now should we build a segment about would john wall work next to lebron james or did you see the shoes that that PJ Tucker brought to Game Six. Like, let's bring out a segment on that. Like, I, I wonder if people want the off-court stuff more than the on-court stuff because X's and O's. Like, how much can people watch of a pick and roll analysis before they turn the TV? I would like it. I know Amin would get a kick out of like, oh man, that's a hammer. But I don't know if the
0: general fan cares. I've got a bunch of different thoughts on this. Uh, Number one for countdown and for halftime they maybe should go in that direction because that could be their comparative advantage because they can't beat TNT on fun and the most famous jocks possible on that studio show. They just can't compete with it, so they might have to differentiate themselves by being uh, the smart guys or girls, and they might need to do that. So it's a possibility, um, and I could see that. Uh, but the other thing is this. There is no higher bar to clear right now, not in terms of highbrow, not in terms of uh, value to humanity, but in terms of just getting something that resonates than a sports show that's not the game. It just seems extremely hard to have a hit. PTI is a once in a generation occurrence. You've seen echoes and you know maybe first take was it was a hit in its own way. It is rare. To, to make one it's so rare
2: define a hit because i would i would say first take is the unquestioned hit
0: first takes a hit first takes a hit i i was i was adding too many too many caveats but okay so pti first take and then moderate successes that you can live with having and just have pegged i'm there. gonna tell you
2: right now sports nation was a hit
0: i think cowherd beetle sports nation was a hit the, the so, I'm
2: telling you, Sports Nation, up until literally, even as it was dying and they had changed the format to something that we did not recognize, it still did numbers, man. It's crazy how much numbers it did. Like, it was it was like, add a presenting sponsor. Like, Toyota, how many shows on ESPN have a sponsor said, presented by this?
0: It's first take and, yeah. But let's, okay, so Hit, hit is a... It's a subjective thing. Like, like, okay. so let's like just have our tears. PTI is incredibly culturally relevant. PTI is Hall of Fame level. First take, I would say, is Hall of Fame level as well. Yeah. People know what it is. People know it by name. And it's influenced other shows. Yes. Yes. That's the
2: important thing there.
0: So those are maybe the two. And then you have others where they do well. I said his and hers earlier. His and hers did well. It did 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 well. well. But it wasn't like a hit. But we no, it, it this- did
2: well relative to its
0: time slot.
2: Exactly. Right? Versus, well, anywhere we have put it on a schedule, it would have done well.
0: It is really hard to do a sports show. It just is. I don't know why we can have our theories. What are the good ones? What are the good sports shows? Not, not ESPN.
2: What are the good sports shows? And not game day coverage. So not college
0: game day. Coward Show does well uh, off of ESPN. Um,
2: what? Which one is that?
0: Is it called uh, The Herd? That was
2: radio, though.
0: It's a three hour radio show. Like, I'm talking about a, It's a, a radio a TV, show that he's showing the simulcast. radio.
2: show. No, it's No, uh, simulcast. give me yeah. TV because yeah, like by that token I said Levitard, but Levitard shows three hours. Mm-hmm. Obviously that's a, that's not no one says, Hey, we want you to produce our next show. All right, cool. First of all, give me a three hour block. We're talking thirty to sixty minutes. What are the good shows? Sports shows. There aren't a pregame show or or something like that.
0: This is part of what I'm saying. It just seems like it's it's goddamn near impossible. and I know you know Pablo and Bomani, so smart, so talented, chemistry and ultimately they end up getting yanked off the air. I, I didn't look through the ratings. I don't know how justifiable any of that is but um, but you know people will of course who don't like them shit on them and I just look at it and I go, well who's really coming this is hard. this is a, a camel through the eye of a needle. Uh, in this genre it is not easy it's not like you get a show on hbo a show on hbo it just seems like it's going to be a it just seems like it's going to be a hit
2: well unless it's bill simmons
0: i mean to to wrap up on
1: this i just want to say like yes we're biased because we were, were with nick rachel people love the stories that people put out on uh on untold stories by master or all the smoke with Steven Jackson, Matt Barnes. But as soon as you start saying like, I work with this person and I'm just going to tell you my experience, people like, Oh, you're biased. I don't want to hear you.
2: The other thing also, Tom is like, so it was July when this thing happened. Right. And apparently according to all these people on Twitter, Rachel's an awful person. Not one awful story about Rachel from behind the scenes. Not one. Not one,
1: because this is the time hey, to hear it,
2: right? <laughs> hey, she cut me off in line at the calf. Hey, yeah. she cussed me out because I didn't have her coffee on time. Hey, I got fired because she couldn't stand having uh, a, a, a a you know a black woman on staff or whatever. Nothing, nothing. Like like Harvey Weinstein shit hit. We had a million Harvey Weinstein stories. Bill Cosby shit hit. We had a million Bill Cosby stories. Right? Uh, the shit on Amer- uh, America's Got Talent. That shit hit. We had a million stories about all the racism behind the scenes and stuff that was happening with Simon Cowell.
1: And on Rachel, maybe this is just the summer drought of people are on vacation, they're not paying attention to the news. But I've just been stunned at the lack of commentary about this story. Because Rachel is, think about this. I mean, how many daily columnists? Or national writers, daily columnists, media personnel are women in the NBA. How many daily columnists? What Rachel did with the jump is every day write an essay about the NBA and present it on air. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. She was not a point guard that set up for assists. She was not uh, Brevin Knight. She wasn't. Smith. No one's Ishmith. Okay. Ishmith. But Rachel Nichols is not just dishing it out and letting them, like, once I make the pass, I'm just going to stand off and let them move. Right. Rachel was scoring. She was the one who was coming out from the A block with an essay that she wrote every day.
2: She was Damien Lillard. Yeah. To illustrate, it took me, like, literally a couple of years of filling in for Rachel to be able to do that. Because, and, you know, I am, I guess, using analogy, I'm a scorer. I'm going go out there, I, I spit a pen, left and right. But sitting in that seat, I was so concerned about setting other people up. They would have to remind me, I mean, you got to give your opinion too. Mm. You got to drop your 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 take too, your spin too. Don't, don't don't skimp on the analysis because you're in that chair. And so like to strike that balance is not an easy thing. And she did it better than anyone pretty much because she's the only one who's doing it.
1: Right. And I just don't want to lose sight of the fact that what Rachel did, and I think what's one of the reasons why she took that job to be the face of the jump on her own daily NBA show is that she was not satisfied with sideline reporting duty because she was reporting, but didn't have enough of like, why can't I just sit there and be a columnist and opinionated and have my voice in the show. And it's easy to think like, Oh, you know, maybe they're like now that the jump is over and it was, it turned into something different than what it started. But let's not lose sight of the fact that what Rachel Nichols did was she was a woman covering the NBA on a daily basis and also writing and opining and becoming a voice on the NBA. As a woman, I can't, I mean, I can't find another example of that. Maybe you can correct me here, but she in many ways was a trailblazer in that space, right? Yes, absolutely. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And she wanted that platform and to say, listen, women don't get these opportunities a lot in the NBA. It's usually, Hey, welcome to the jump. We have Tracy McGrady here, Tracy McGrady. um, Russell Westbrook was traded to the Lakers. What are your thoughts? No, Rachel would say her viewpoint, her analysis at the top, and then send it over to T Mac, right? Or Amin or Brian Winhurst, or whoever it is. So I just think, When we talk about Rachel Nichols at what it is the story has become, do not lose sight of the fact that she created something that was driving a driving force in lifting diversity and lifting female voices in a space that she had broken through on her own and did something that not many people had done, if at all. So like I said, I am not an insider. I'm not reaching out to Rachel. I have not done any of that. But it is odd to see people jump all over the, no, no pun intended, like, do, like pile on to what the jump has become, which is moving away from journalists being on the show and, and moving towards having uh, really charismatic personalities of like former players on the show as the pundits. It started out as something and it evolved over time into something else. Rachel Nichols deserves a lot more credit than she has received in moving the needle on the diversity and moving the needle on those issues. It's just there wasn't a lot of Rachel Nichols out there doing what she was doing, covering the NBA and being a voice, an opinionated voice on a daily basis. Well said. And go check out House of Strauss since he's not here. Go check out House of Strauss, the Substack for Ethan, Amin. Thank you for hopping on today. And we'll be back next week. I'm back for vacation. Sorry for remissing. Everyone was just devastated that they didn't get a new episode last week. Maze, you got a lot of work to do. On that note, talk next week.